This is the Sister Squad with Morta, Nona, and Dekuma. <laughs> Nona. Nona. We'll just stop right now. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, did you guys watch it? Filthy Rich? Uh huh. I watched some of it. We watched it. I watched it with my kids when it came out, and we were mortified and horrified and entranced. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, Nona, what did you think of it? Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just find it really disgusting. You know, I have a really hard time. I have a really hard time watching stuff like that. You know, I don't. I don't like stuff like that or murder shows or anything like that. You know. Yeah. Well, I thought that, I, I mean, I really, it was it's not something that I would, like, let my little kids watch as far as there were some descriptions of the abuse that I, it's not that I think that it shouldn't be on there. I just don't think they're appropriate for younger audiences. But I was really pissed off because, like, so it starts out, and I I took notes, like, I watched it, and then I talked to Dekuma, and, like, we got to do this because I was mostly so pissed that he was like the people had reported him from 1995 on kept reporting him and nothing ever happened to him like just goes to show I guess that if you're rich I mean is there another reason why why he got away with everything well I think blackmail would be the other reason also so oh, yeah. he, he is wealthy, and so I think people just give him a pass to start with. But the other thing is he blackmails everyone. No one really steps up to say anything, and he has all these connections, and the only people well, saying think, something are power. these girls. Yeah, like these oh. two nobodies that nobody knows. So I can't imagine. Like, why would you sweep that under the rug and never do anything about it? I don't know. I was super pissed, like, the whole time. I just wanted to jump in the through the screen and choke him, and then I realized that he was already dead. So there's the, there's the bonus. Yeah, that's good. Know? So, like, episode one starts out, and and they um, the very first thing that you see is that he's asked if he's ever been convicted of a felony, and then he admits that he's been convicted of soliciting prostitution and soliciting a minor for prostitution, and then he was asked if he committed these crimes, and he's like, invokes the Fifth Amendment. And they asked him if he had solicited a minor or any prostitute in New York, Paris, New Mexico, or anywhere. And then he immediately, like, invokes the Fifth Amendment. And then it goes to, like, they do in documentaries. You know, they show that, and then they flash forward to, or flash backward, I guess, to interviewing um, one of his victims. And... First, they they flashed to that reporter from Vanity Fair, and she knew that he was a mover and a shaker, and Vanity Fair had asked her to, like, do a piece, like a society piece on him. And her very first source was a young woman who tells her, like, hey, he molested, like, a bunch of young girls, by the way. Like, that might be interesting. And so this reporter goes down the rabbit hole, and she finds all these girls who um, she – finds this Maria Farmer, and she's the, I don't know if you remember, she was the girl who painted. Yeah, yeah. She painted like, young girls. 
So they find her, and she's like, um, yep. In 1995, she sold three paintings at, uh, like, at a gallery, and then the and it was her graduation. It was her graduation, like, the culmination of her art school. That, huh? that gallery yep. show was. And, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, you're good. You, like, the more you talk, the better it is for me. But so anyway, so she was going to sell these three paintings for like $12,000. And the owner of the gallery is like, hey, by the way, you're not going to sell them to these people. And she's like, yeah, I no, I am. I really, they offered me twelve grand for them. And I mean, think about how much money that is in 1995 and to a first-year college student. Because it was her art school, but she was like a freshman in college age. Well, I think that's a ton of money. I think wasn't that the year she graduated though? Like that was like the culmination of art school. That's what I thought, and I might have it wrong, but regardless, like so, this was like the oh, icing right. on the cake. But still, so she's a starving art student. How much money do you think she has? None. Not a lot. So then the lady's like, you know what? You are not gonna sell it for twelve grand to those people. We've got this really rich couple. Um, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, and they're going to buy it. And she's like, oh, okay, uh, for $6,000. You know, we'll make it up. You've got the billionaire, Nicolin and Diamond, the college student. I'm, that is disgusting. You know, I thought you about know that. Who, who that billionaire, all of his chums are, are the people that are hate big corporations and rich people that oppress the poor. You know, I, I just find that ironic and disgusting. Yeah. Just, uh, Jacob, you were going to say something. What were you thinking about? I was just thinking that it's just another power play. I'm going to pay mm -hmm. what I'm going to pay, and then I'm going to make it up to you later. I'll make it up to you later. I'm molesting you. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh -huh. Lucky you. Lucky you. It pays with So... She gets a job with him, and um, he wants to know about her family. She's like, oh, I've got this little sister who's 16. And you know what? It, as I was watching this, I thought, and this is not, I'm not victim shaming at all. It's just that young people and also good people are so naive. Yeah. They really believe in the good, and, like, you project your goodness onto other people. So he asks her about her family, and she's like, yeah, I've got a little sister who's 16. So, um so little sister gets an internship with him and she shipped off to New Mexico. The very first thing that she was, uh, she gets there, they gave her a massage, Epstein and Ghislaine. And the next day he crawls right into bed with her and molests her or rapes her, whatever. And this, the little sister's name is Annie. And then they ship her off to, Thailand and Vietnam to get away from her. And so in the minute that the Maria said, she's like, I just didn't, she, I guess she didn't think that he would also molest her little sister. I don't really. It's so nice. Why? Just don't, I don't know why. And that sounds like we're blaming her. And I, I don't think, well, I think about the age. I was going to say, yeah, you just couldn't imagine. Right? You just couldn't imagine that that he would do that. Your sister's only 16. He wouldn't do that, you know, because she's a well, college student. So what? It shows you the power of money 
an opportunity. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. she had to have had that caution. You know, you would. Someone's someone's molesting you and you're going to put send your recommend your sister but just the opportunity and the power the money the prestige it's such a draw it's just such a draw yeah, i mean so it's you always wonder the same the same way that you see young like beautiful girls throwing themselves at wrinkly old men with money you know yeah like gag the prestige and power and by association is a big, big draw. People will risk a lot and sacrifice a lot for that. You know? Yeah. So Maria's the painter. Annie's the little sister. So Maria's interning for Lex Warner, and he's like one of those super billionaires that that's who, that's who Epstein ends up stealing his money from, if you remember. But so she moves into this 26,000-square-foot palace. She's painting girls. And about 14 to 16 years old. And at some point she calls Annie and asks her if she's had bad experiences. And Annie says yes, but doesn't want to talk about it. And that's when Maria Farmer calls the NYPD. And they tell her to call the FBI because of jurisdiction, right? Because her sister was in Arizona and she was in New York and whatever. And this is 1995. So that's when the first reports were. It was 1995. And then nothing ever happens. And so the Vanity Fair reporter is 2003. So she talks to Maria and Annie. They spill the beans and they fact checked with Jeffrey Epstein. And then all of a sudden, magically, her story is squashed. And the editor was threatened. He said that a cat head, he or she, I don't remember. It's been long enough that I took the notes. He or she said that there was a cat head in the garden, in his garden. It was a boy. I said his. And the piece was squashed by Vanity Fair, and they published this great story called The Talented Mr. Epstein. So not only did they not, it did not report what really happened, but then they essentially published this thing that is going to make it so that future girls are victimized. Right. Just pisses me off. want to go and choke him. So... Then the, I mean, so the documentary bounces all the way around and it was kind of hard for me to follow it, but it was really good, but really sincerely do not watch it when you have kids under the age of 18. Even, I wouldn't even have my boys who are no. teenagers watch it. No, we you know, watched it's it. Just, all of us that watched it were adults and, and just yeah. kind of horrified the whole time about how he groomed them and how he brought them in and just preying on the weak. You know, I don't know if you wanted to talk about how he brought him in, but that uh, about how yeah. he. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward again, it bounces all around. So in 2005, the parent of this girl, we're in Florida now, um, calls the police and says, hey, I found $300 on my daughter. Like, and um, she told her mother that she had been to Epstein's place and she was supposed to give him a massage, and then she had to do, quotes, other things. And um, she was 14 years old and in a sexual relationship with Epstein. So the case gets over to signed to the special victims unit, and multiple girls come in. And this is the case where they start, you know, like where they do that little 
the board with the pictures and the yarn strings yeah. all over the place. Start making the connections and, between the victims and yep. him. And so these girls have all had intercourse with him. So, um, and this is in 2005. So he had multiple episodes of child molestation and rape reported. He didn't get arrested until 2019, I think. So the what the the um, well he was detectives. charged he was charged first because he got his deal with the prosecutor that ends That's up right. going into Trump's cabinet and it's like but what's his name? We might have to stop. So in this. 2005, they did charge him, and then he got made some like they do this investigation, and then he gets like some sweetheart deal. Well, and they wouldn't talk to the cop. They just shut up about it. They they shut the cop out. They shut everyone out. And then they give him this deal for what? What did they get in return? They didn't get anything. Uh, well, and then you think the conspiracy theorist in me thinks, which one of those cops screwing 14-year-olds? Well, and it wasn't the Excuse cops. The cops terrible. were trying to, to do it. It was the oh, FBI. Right. Prosecutors. Yeah, and right. I'm, I'm trying to think what the prosecutor's name is. He's the prosecutor. Um, let me look. Alan Dershowitz is one of his people. That was his attorney. That was his I'm looking attorney. for my notes. Stephen Hoffenberg. It was Acosta? Alex yep, Acosta. There you go. And I was wondering if it was Acosta. Yeah. But I didn't want yeah. to say. And then, and then no one says anything. They keep it hush-hush. They're told not to talk to the cop in Miami anymore. So he's been pushing this whole thing this whole time, knowing that this guy's going to get arrested and go to prison. And he's promising these girls that, hey, this is going to get taken care of. And it goes, the FBI, they, nothing happens, nothing happens. He keeps following up. They're told not to talk to him. And then Acosta makes this deal with him. And he gets what? Community service? A slap on the wrist? There it is. In July of 2006, he's charged with a single count of felony solicitation of prostitution. And his attorney went after the victims. The jur- journalist reported on it. And Jeffrey Epstein just wanted it to go away. The police chief asked the FBI to take the case over. Um, because just how disgusted uh, the police um, detective was with what had happened. And in 2006, uh, they discover the farmer girls, you know, Maria and Annie. And Ghislaine had called and threatened Maria. Ghislaine's going to go to hell, too, by the way. I'm just waiting for her to find somebody to find her dead somewhere. Um, well, they're still holding her. So, that's right. She's got dirt on everybody. See, what do yeah. you think will happen? Jeffrey Einstein Epstein, he's he's already <laughs> down in coal shoveling hell, you know. Well, you know, at first when he died, I was like, I was loving the Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself memes because I thought they were hilarious. And I, I didn't know if he killed himself or not. It is pretty suspicious with the way that the cameras were and everybody was asleep and nobody checked on him. And he's on suicide watch. It is very convenient that he got himself dead. But then after I watched this and, you know, he had met with his attorney, like, I don't know how many days before and turned everything over to his brother. I think that he realized that the noose was tightening. Um, 
metaphorically, and he did not want to go to prison, so he killed himself. Well, and he's a narcissist, so he's going to go out on his own, on yep. his own dying. Yep. Yeah. I just thought it was so, like, absolutely disgusting that you just have all of these, every time you get close to, you know, getting some justice, then you have, like, Alex Acosta screwing everything up. I still don't understand what is the one that's like, what does Epstein have on you? Or what did he give you? Because then oh, well, that's, that's my next thing. And that's mine also. Like, what was the deal? Like, what, what did you get? Did he pay you? And maybe it was who he was covering and maybe they talked to Acosta and, and just said, look, which at that time were the Clintons also, and not, you know, not saying that, that they caused it, but the Clintons were part of that episode when he made the deal. When he made the deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, so. Well, let's just say, um, Bill Clinton has a lot of frequent flyer miles on the on the child rapist express, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the pictures that they have of him. I mean, he was there. He traveled with them, traveled to Africa, traveled with the group. Who was it? Kevin Spacey, Bill Clinton, Chris Tucker. Do you think that they were going to let Epstein um, go down and start naming names? Uh, no. No, they hold each other up until they no longer can. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and I think that's why people think that he didn't kill himself. It's like... He was suicided. <laughs> oh, well, I I thought that too, but then after I watched it, I'm like, at the end, I thought, he's just a coward, and he killed himself to get out of... Knew that shiz was going to hit the fan and didn't want to take it. Because mm-hmm. I really thought for the longest time, like, oh, he didn't kill himself. But... If he did kill himself, he made a deal with the guards. I mean, they were asleep. The cameras weren't working. Nobody checked on him. There's 15 extra sheets in the shape of a rope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, there's, you know, and would the guards would the guards give up their career? I mean, their career, like, as a jail guard. But still, their livelihood. You know, would they give up yeah. their livelihood for that? I just, I don't know. I don't think so. If they got a payment for it, I'm sure. What was that, that Dekuma? I said if he, if they got a payment for it, how do you know that they didn't get paid for it? But they were threatened. They threatened everybody. Yeah, anyone um, that tried to expose them, they had private detectives following them two or three, 24 hours a day. People like taking pictures of you sitting across mm-hmm. from your house, following you to work. Two or three guys following you in your car to work. I mean, they terrified them. That's. And even at that, even if you did report, that's what I don't get. So the FBI just doesn't do anything about it. They just felt like they weren't going to do anything because these two girls reported. And then this time, how could Alexander Acosta not find enough evidence to convict him in 2005, 2006? That's baloney. There had to be evidence in spades like all over the place i mean and that they had the video of walking through one of his because he had they have the video of walking through the new york apartment and then also the florida apartment and i get them mixed up but i mean like the all of the art was nearly pornographic mm-hmm. like naked young girls I, 
I just think that there are, you know, they do to catch predator. How often do you see people in power, like politicians, judges, cops, attorneys, Mm -hmm. prosecuting attorneys, people that are involved in child pornography, for one, you know, people that that's just like the tip of the worst crap. But, you know, there are a lot of people that have um, skeletons in their closet. And I think most people are good and they don't really get it. Because, you know, when they're talking about people monitoring you, you know, like through your computers and all your stuff, people like me think, so, like what, you're going to find out that I look on Facebook and shop at Amazon, you know, big deal. What I watch on Netflix, I don't have anything to hide. I think that a lot of people are like that. So you think, I think a lot of people like that. I think most people are good. Don't have like a lot of skeletons in their closet, maybe. So you project your goodness onto other people. But I think there are a lot of people that have, have some, pretty bad stuff in their closets and it's there, you know, to be fine found because those people network together. I was just going to say that. Stuff. Like I think about Elizabeth smart and her story when she's saying, talking about that motorhome that stopped to pick them up when they were hitchhiking back to back through Vegas yeah. and that. And she's like, this guy pulls over and picks him up and he is evil. They're in the motorhome for not too long. And he's offering that Brian David Mitchell, he's offering him money to buy Elizabeth Smart so that he can have her. Like, how do these people find each other? There is a sixth sense of evil that we just don't see. And they find each other. And look at, and that's one of the things, like you look at the pictures with Epstein. Look at the people that he's around. And... You know, you just have to wonder, not everybody around him, because he's looking, he's looking for connections is what he's looking for. And as soon he's as power as for soon people as, in power, mm-hmm, yes. And as soon as you pass his, and I was listening to this the other day, they were talking about how you would pass the test. You'd walk in, there'd be something offensive on the counter or a, a chess set with naked, naked chess pieces, right? And a normal person would be uncomfortable and want to leave. Like, ugh. but if you laughed at that, you've passed the first test. You know, like you, there's little tests, like the yeah. artwork on the wall is a test. Like They're like, the, the easiest thing for him to do was to bring people into his home because he knew immediately who was uncomfortable, who wasn't. And right, because good people would be like, you and I would go in there and think, what the fresh hell is going on? Get here? me Can out we of burn here this now. place down. Yeah. So I don't know. There's their Yikes. little secret, secret cabal of, well, and then people, of evil people. And then people, um, they protect each other. Uh-huh. I think, of course, in our church, I was reading an article or a talk. It was, well, it was a, quite a while ago, and it talked about that, that there are people, secret combinations set up in government everywhere, in power, you know, where... Um, organizations that are set up to obtain power and keep it, get gain, which money is power, and they're everywhere. And I agree with that. I mean, you can you can see that just by the fact that the billionaire can rape children and get away with it, get probation. 
Um, right. No one gives two craps. Well, let's talk about his money. Like, because I always thought, you know how, like, people are famous for being famous? And you're like, how are they famous? Like, what did they do? Did they you know, inherit billions from some great, 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 great grandfather who was a Vanderbilt or a, you know? No, he's the ultimate con yeah, man. Who... Ah, he stole it. He stole all of his money. <laughs> and created his own image. I was. Yep. Yep. So he, um, uh, one of the episodes was follow the money and what he did was in the eighties, he was fired from Bear Stearns and he met Stephen Hoffenberg and he was the, he was the guy of towers or something rather like that. And so Hoffenberg knew that his moral compass was upside down. And, but this appealed to Hoffenberg, and Hoffenberg made me laugh because he was pretty honest about what a piece of crap he himself had been in the 80s. He says this appealed to him because he was running a Ponzi scheme. And so um, Hoffenberg was running this $460 million Ponzi scheme that inflated the worth of their company. And Epstein came in, and he was, I mean, he's brilliant. And he manipulated stock prices. So Hoffenberg gets, you know, taken down for this Ponzi scheme. He pleads guilty, but he did not turn evidence against um, Epstein because Epstein had more information on Hoffenberg. And so Epstein just walks away and, and Hoffenberg is left holding the bag. And then after that, he, um, somebody said in there that, Epstein sold his his soul to Lex Werner, Les Wexner. Sorry, I can't read. I'm an idiot. So is Wes Wexner, the devil. Les Wexner, is he a devil? You know about him? It said is he the devil. He sold his soul to him. Well, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> you know, no, um, no. But he owned uh, Wexner owned the the stores, the limited. Abercrombie and Fitch, Victoria's Secrets. So he was like rolling in the cash. And Wexner gave him control of his companies. Uh, Wexner loved Epstein and he was sleeping with him. And I don't get from anything else that we've heard about Epstein that he was homosexual, but he's a pig and he would do anything for money and power, right? right. I'm sure he had no problem. Oink, oink. I don't know if he's up with him or not, but. I'm sure that he would if he, because he um, stole $46 million of Wexner's money. And between 96 and 2003, he oversaw the sale of $1.3 billion worth of the limited, that store, stock. And Wexner says that it was $46 million that, that Epstein stole. So that's a nice little nest egg, especially if you're brilliant and you know how to invest and make that money turn into more money. And so then well, there's more stories of sexual They go to the U.S. attorney of Alex Acosta. And then, uh, of course, we already know that we talked about that Acosta made a sweetheart deal with them. Well, if you go back, thought, go back too, to where his, his original job was, he, he was teaching and he lied to get the teaching job. And he used that <laughs> reference... And lied to get the job at Bear Stearns. And when they figured uh -huh. him out and at Bear Stearns, 
and then went to the towers. Yep. They wanted to save face and kept mm-hmm. him on there. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he just... It was a comedy of errors all the way through. He lied from the very beginning. Why, he never thought he would get caught. Why would he? He'd been lying from the get-go. Yeah. Well, and I think he probably was... He must have been charming. No? In some sort of In a millionaire way. sort of way? No, they did say that he was. I can't imagine it because I look at him and want to puke, but they did say that he was. He, I think he just knew how to work people. He's a manipulator, right? The yeah. master con artist. Well, I think that he... I mean, because sometimes charmers or people that were like us who were raised by Betty, someone who lays it on thick, you want to say, what, what do you want? Uh-huh. Like, you're not necessarily taken by that kind of charm because it's like, mm, I need my hip waders because you were shoveling some bull right around here. Mm-hmm. But other people who... He just told people what they wanted to hear. And then, you know, the the brass tacks are is that he was a, apparently a good teacher. And he had good numbers at Bear Stearns because he was lying and cooking the books. And so then you see somebody who's very successful mm-hmm. because he's cheating. And, and that makes it so that maybe it turns down your spidey sense that's like tingling. I don't know. Well, I think when you've got when you've I'm, got charisma, you know, you've got good looks, you're smart, you've got charisma. People that are really intelligent um, have uh, generally, I think, usually have a social, a good um, emotional IQ, so they can read. Just like Dekuma was saying about having the chess set, that's really smart. Yeah. You know, yes. that you uh, that is very that you can read people. You don't have to invest a lot of time in getting to know them. That you you know you get cues and you can just read them. So, I think he just he was smart and they say good looking. He's not attractive to me, but you know, and you know what dirt bags people are. They become less attractive. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. think that his facial structure is congruent with what we usually find attractive you know but I he's such a you're right, of him younger. he wasn't cute younger though like i look at him and i think oh he, he was, was better looking with gray hair than he was when he was younger he, he was just a, a manipulator quirky. and the he one guy on there said the one guy on there said the you know the biggest regret of his life was not firing when he found out he was lying to bear stearns he had the opportunity yep. there to fire him. And he's like, you know, maybe none of this would have happened. But yep. the, he talked him into keeping him. So he yeah, had... I gave him a second chance. He had some sort of yep. charisma, for sure. Yeah. So if you zip it onto um, the third episode, he's being um, interviewed again. And... I just don't even want to say it on our podcast. They're asking him, the prosecutor, I'll, I'll use a euphemism. The prosecutor um, asks him, like, straight out, is it true that your junk is shaped this way? And I laughed my head off because they were just, like, needling him, like, taking away. 
Because, you know, I'm sure that he's used to having the power in any conversation. Uh And this detective was just like, how about this? How about that? I'm sorry. How do I know what his, Bill Clinton's, Michael Jackson's genitalia look like? I mean, that is like information I did not need to know, and yet I do. (laughs) You know what? Speaking of Michael Jackson, because I watched... Wonder, what is that called? Dekuma? Is it Wonderland? Uh, is it Wonderland? The documentary on Michael Jackson? I can't remember what the documentary is called. Neverland. Oh, Neverland. Neverland. Yeah. Neverland, Leaving Neverland or something or whatever. Yeah. And I really had the same kind of feel about that documentary as this one. Because I know that there were some allegations that uh, that Michael Jackson one, that there was some uh, facts in the documentary that were easily proved wrong. Uh, you know, one of the things they said in that Michael Jackson documentary, and the same is true about Jeffrey Epstein, is that Michael Jackson, it was normalized for him to be traveling with children without their parents. Like, what the fresh hell? Sleeping in the same bed with them. Right. Like... What? My mind is just like, poof, blown. I I don't understand. And the same thing, like, if you look at all the pictures going back with Epstein, there's all these young girls around him. What are all these young girls around him doing? Well, they're being raped on the regular. Being paid $300 a shot for it. Well, and and being pimped out to Prince Andrew, to other men that would come in. It's all in the end about power and... I don't know. what. How many times did they say Epstein had to have sex a day? At least three times a day that he was... Oh, God. I, I mean, gag. I'm going to chop it off. You know, I, I just... It is just a well, power. I, mean, I wonder if he got that much in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, too, is that... Um, I think that the three of us have had this conversation off air, off tape before about what terrible, horrible people pedophiles are, is that it wasn't good enough for him just to molest the same victim over and over. He always wanted fresh ones. You know, he wanted to take away their innocence, scare them. It's part of, you can't tell me that they are not getting off. That's a power move. Or, yeah. Ah, Great. Yes. Power move. Yeah. So the maintenance man was the guy who had seen Prince Andrew and the girl in the pool fooling around, and she was topless. And somebody asked him, like, you know, what are you, what are you even doing here? And he gave him some answer, like, well, the money was good or whatever. And then the guy said, would you let your daughters come here ever? And he said, he wouldn't let his daughters come within miles of the island or Jeffrey Epstein, and he quit the next day. And I thought that was really amazing. And the guy, the telecommunications guy, said that he didn't believe that Epstein regretted one thing ever in his whole life, and he thought he was a sociopath. Yeah. And which is probably true. And he said that everybody, like, knew what was up. Everybody knew that the island was had young girls on it. They were coming in and out of whatever the customs was, you know, at the little airport. Here comes the plane. 
and here's all these powerful people. You know, like we said, Bill Clinton had been on the plane and uh, Kevin Spacey and Prince Andrew and and also his um, Chris Tucker had been. Oh, no, that was Chris Tucker was went on the trip to Africa. To Africa. And I'm trying Chris to think. Tucker. He's an actor, black guy, funny, super funny. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, like everybody knew it was like a open secret, you know, like, well, it's that's like just what happens. Harvey Weinstein. Same thing. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about what a piece of crap he is. Well, it's just you the know? same. It's just the same thing. Like you've got money, you've got power. You're he's definitely ugly. And but the yeah, thing that's that, that allows you to get away with this is your the fact that you've got cash and power and you hold people's future in your hand. He just blackballed them if they didn't do what they, they he wanted. And the same and thing he with was Epstein. Talented, you know what I mean? With like the movies that he chose or the people that I mean, clearly the movies, if he had anything to do with which movies got made the the movies that he was involved with and the actors and actresses who he was involved with were successful. And so you've got some small amount of talent or even a large amount of talent and then you've got all the money and the power. And I think that sometimes people are just willing to shut up so that you keep like you're a cash cow and they're milking it. Like, oh no big deal if if you know so the best thing that ever happened was he finally got arrested. And I can't remember which one finally he got arrested for. Do you remember, Ikuma? No, I don't. I don't. It was several. It was the gal, the gal from Australia that had run away had heard that he had been arrested and she came back and jumped in the, in the ring with the rest yes. of them. Well, I think that the, what happened was the FBI finally took over the investigation and then they served the search warrant on the New York apartment and he had not cleared everything out yet. And so, and then he went to jail and then when things, the noose starts tightening, then he dies. Either he suicided himself or somebody else suicided him. But like I said, I really thought that in the beginning when I heard everything, I'm like, oh, somebody killed him. And then after a while, I thought just the same thing that you said, Dekuma, was that he thought, well, I'm going out on my terms. Because he he moved all of his money into his brother's name. So then after his death, even if there's like a posthumous um, like uh, award that goes to his, his victims, he has no money because it's all in his brother's name. And I hope there's a way for them to grab that money back. Uh huh. From from his brother, because the, I just think it's disgusting. I mean, he stole the childhood of so many girls, and we never did talk about how it was a it was a multi level marketing. Like the girls would bring another girl. Like if you bring another girl, I'll give you one hundred and fifty bucks or two hundred bucks for all the new girls that you bring. So they bring a new girl, and then they don't have to sleep with them. So he's turned all of his victims into pimps, essentially. Yeah. So sad. Which is so sad. It was sad. Very sad. Well, and I think he, he, um, just, just like most people do, he was looking for girls from 
you know, single, single mother homes. No, there's there's another, there is another argument for having, you know, intact families, having a dad in the home. It it wasn't just that. It was, it was the whole shebang, right? It's the homes that are facing poverty or distress yeah. homes in crisis let me put it that way well what, yeah whatever just, it is but it's homes in crisis that these kids are are in crisis you know yeah and he yeah. he actively sought them out like he just had a nose a radar yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and he, he his house get away with it. His house was a mile. You know, you cross the little bridge over to the low income high school. You know, a mile away that all the people there worked, either were maids on their little island or whatever. And yeah, you cross over that bridge, and and here's all these oh people that have a radar on them that he's that he's finding. Yeah, so I really am happy that he's dead, which is terrible, and I will repent of that later. And I hope don't really that think that's a sin. I think it's a sin to be glad that he's dead. It's not going to victimize anyone else. I know it's beautiful, isn't it? And I'm happy that that terrible, horrible Cruella Deville of his girlfriend Ghislaine is also in jail, and I hope that she rots there for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be honest. If we went Old Testament on them, they would they would have been stoned to death. <laughs> no, I just and, don't you know, think that's it's really bad. To, <laughs> I just don't think it's bad to be glad that they're that he's gone. No, you know he just he he victimized so many people. He just destroyed lives, looked for innocence, and then just destroyed it. And I yeah I. I think he's a blight gone off the face of the earth. Uh-huh. He is the, a boil on the butt of humanity, and he is gone. Well, that's one way to put it. Dig Kuma, where did you go? I had to pop my I back. Just, <laughs> you just see your feet in the air. I'm like, um, are you there? My back was hurting. I've been sitting on the floor. Like I've been sitting on the floor this whole time, just like this. It's not super comfortable, to be honest with you. Okay, Dave Kuman, after party, tell us about school. Oh, COVID update. Well, we're quarantined. <laughs> Molly, you a trouble girl. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, we're quarantined for two weeks. We have a soft closure we reached the 15, the magic number of at least 15 cases within two weeks. We had two major breakouts, and major being like six and maybe six and six and then some singles. But there were some out-of-school events going on, um, gatherings that were happening, and they just Praise spread. Jesus, huh? What's that? Grace Jesus, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and... And, you know, they're, they're, I mean, I really can't say what events they were, but they're just like little get-togethers. And here they yeah. all are. I think one of them was like a pretend homecoming dance, but I'm not sure. But basically, let me tell you what high school kids are doing, is that they're, they're not having their homecoming, so they're getting together for their dances. And whatever 
group they're in at school, they can't get get together at school, so they meet at somebody's house, and somebody's mom fixes them dinner, or they have a party, or whatever, and so they're they're at school social distancing, and they go home, and then it's over. The good yeah. news is, is that we haven't spread. We don't have a, what do you call that, Mary? A, 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 a single um, infection that was... That was a, a community spread. I don't know how you say that, but it has it no, hasn't community acquired cases of COVID, but yeah. none that were contact through tracing through the school. Yeah, none through the school. So we are doing our job. So as terrible as the masks are and the sanitizing and the ha- antibacterial hand stuff at every inch that you walk, every three steps you got to squirt again. Um, it's I guess that's working. But the football team's been out for two weeks, and they just came back. And then the day they came back, the whole school got quarantined uh, or closed. We're not quarantined. It's a soft closure. But I, out of about 1,800 students, we had 400 to 500 quarantined the day that we got shut down. So at the point that you're quarantining that many of your students, <laughs> it's yeah. probably best that you're all online. Um, I talked to my partner in crime up at work, and uh-huh. um, so we have a daily, like, huddle through the organization, see what's kind of going on in the with the hospitalists, and throughout Utah, about 95% of the ICU beds are full. Oh, wow. So there's plenty of med surge beds. Like, so if you just need oxygen or whatever you don't need to be ventilated there's lot there's lots of beds in the hospital for you but the the minute you tip over the line to where you need to either be essentially ventilated because you could be on the BiPAP and that's where you use like a CPAP mask but it's really delivering a breath in and out just like a ventilator um now, it can't do higher pressures and everything. If you need higher pressures, then that's when you need to get intubated and be ventilated that way. But it can ventilate you um, non-invasively. So with the breathing tube in your mouth, you have to be in an ICU. You could be on an IMC bed, which is an intermediate care bed, on a BiPAP. But those so- beds are filling up. And then they said... That um, anytime somebody gets sick or gets in contact with somebody that, if, you know, out in the community, not because we're in contact with COVID patients all the time at work, we're, I mean, honestly, we're like almost in a bunny suit. So, but if you're, say that your kid comes home and they're COVID positive or you were at a party and they're COVID positive and now you have to get tested or whatever, or you have a symptom and you have to quarantine, those nurses are going to out for two weeks or, you know, 10 days yeah. or whatever. Once they've been exposed, think of how many patients that you could take care of in 14 days time. You would work, if you're just full time, you'd work six shifts, the 12 hour shifts. And so they don't have nurses to take care of these patients. I mean, there's nurses to take care of them, but like worried, they're, they're shuffling the nurses. They're they're making plans for them. So I don't know. I just think, oof, I, I so, so, so do not want to be quarantined again. But I wonder how it's going to roll with, with the hospitals because 
I think it's an interesting thing to find out that the bed surge beds are, I mean, we have plenty of them. Well, I I think we're at the point now, like when the World Health Organization came out last weekend and said no more lockdowns, we know why. Like people, people need social interaction. They need contact. Do it. Do it with a brain. Have a mask. Don't spread as much as you can. You know, do all that. And obviously, I mean, I'm around 2000 people every day and the spread is not happening at school. It's, just, it's not happening there. So it's happening elsewhere. And, it's in the community. Yeah. And, and so do do what you're supposed to do. But, man, the lockdowns are killing people. I mean, the poor are getting poorer and mental health struggles. I mean, and yeah. all we're doing is delaying the inevitable. If, if we're not going to have a virus vaccination until next summer, I mean, that's going to be a disaster. And the second wave of, we're not talking about second wave of coronavirus patients. We're talking about the second wave of unemployment. When unemployment, everything else runs out and these restaurants are closing, the airlines have laid off another 50,000 people. It's going to be terrible. Christmas is going to be terrible if they continue as is. Yeah. That's scary, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Christmas is coming and the goose ain't getting fat. No. No. Well, we're no. off for we're off for two weeks and the quarter ends right when like two days after we get back or one day after we get back. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, such a nightmare for kids. And it's so hard to do homework at home with no instruction. Well, like I got a phone call coming in. Can you guys hear it? <laughs> Hold on. Hello. Hello, mommy. <laughs> I'm talking to Mary and Brenda, and we are podcasting, but you just called, and so you're, now you're on the podcast. podcast. Now you're on the podcast. Oh, I'm the son. <laughs> oh, since so you put it like that. What are you doing? <laughs> ah, can I call you back in a minute? Okay. All right. I will. All right. Love you. Bye. I love you. Bye. We've had our first call in for the show. It <laughs> was a tender sentiment. I, I opened it on my watch. I should have opened it on my computer and seen if a call in worked. That would have been funny. 